With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. And it, it doesn't feel good to lose. There, there's no doubt about it. Like, like all of you, there is such an emotional investment in this game. And when we don't win it, it stinks. And now we have to live with the result for 365 days. And one of the things I want to say right out of the gate, there were some opportunities Mississippi State had that they did not take advantage of. And at the end of the day, Ole Miss won the football game. You could say, well, you know, Steve, there was the holding penalty and there was fake injury stuff and – you know, we drop passes here. You know, all that matters. It does. But at the end of the day, Ole Miss made the plays to win. Mississippi State didn't. That's why they're happy today, and that's why we're unhappy today. It's as simple as that. There were opportunities there for Mississippi State to get some separation in the first half of that ball game. There were self-inflicted wounds there. It's not like that Ole Miss broke those passes up. Mississippi State simply dropped them. It was another touchdown pass that was a sure touchdown where Makai Polk is wide open, and we just kind of slightly overthrow him a little bit. You have to make those plays. And I felt then when those things happened, I even turned to Mike Nemeth and I said, man, you can't let a team like this hang around. And that's in no way being critical of Ole Miss. But, like, in a rivalry game like that, you get an early lead, you start building a little bit, the crowd, and the crowd was into it. You guys were great. But you start getting that crowd rolling – you start making this thing, uh, you know, maybe a little more emergent for them. And you limit them a little bit, I guess, on offense. And I, I thought first half defensively we were outstanding. But we're going to break all that down. But at the end of the day, no matter what is said, no matter what is tweeted, no matter what is posted on Facebook group, the bottom line is when it came down to it, Ole Miss made the plays to win. Mississippi State didn't. And I really thought Matt Corral was the difference. And, and – like, like all of you, I'm glad that he's leaving. The guy's outstanding. And when he first signed on with Ole Miss, you know, there were a lot of people that were like, well, you know, Dan, Dan Mullen's dropping them. And, you know, Dan said, oh, we know he doesn't fit our scheme. Oh, he absolutely does. I mean, just imagine, think about this for a second. Dan Mullen is probably still the head coach at Florida with Matt Corral as his quarterback. We talk about recruiting decisions and things like that, and we talk about – you know, people's inability to recruit and their, their evaluations. Dan Mullen missed on that because Matt Corral has shown that he is capable of handling, you know, the running component of that offense. Now, probably not a rich rod offense. John Rice is probably the better fit for that. But the reality of it is, is I think when you go back in hindsight and you look at the fact that Matt Corral now has uh, you know, he signed on with an old Miss team that was actually, you know, pretty poor when he did, He's led them to the first 10-win regular season in school history, back to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Had a chance to win 11 this year and finished solidly in the top 10, and Dan Mullen's out of a job. It's pretty crazy how it all works out, right? Then he's saddled with uh, Emory Jones, you know, 
a guy that I don't think is capable of running that offense. But again, all the credit in the world to Matt Corral and his teammates. They made the place to win. You're not going to listen to me make excuses for our team or for our play. We had opportunities. We didn't take advantage. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. But we're going to spend some time to break it all down. Got some recruiting news to talk about as well. We'll look at the rest of the weekend. Uh, you know, we had some basketball activity last night. The women won yesterday. So the women remain undefeated. That's a pretty cool deal, right? They went up there and beat Dayton. And good for them. And then the men lose to uh, Louisville last night and uh, had made just one three-point shot. Perimeter defense from the Cardinals apparently pretty good. I haven't looked at any of that other than the final score and a few stats. Not going to spend a lot of time on that. This is about recapping, you know, the game of the year that we lost. Simple as that. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Love them, love you, and uh, I'd like to introduce you guys, if you haven't already met, Bulldog Burger Company, a great place to eat, a great place to work. So if you or someone you know is looking for work, reach out to Bulldog Burger Company. You can go to eatwithus.com, get more information. While you're there, maybe order some gift cards for somebody you know and love for Christmas. Many of you know a college student that could deserve a night out, or perhaps it's a date night, or it's a night out with the friends. And you can help fund roll that, or payroll that, excuse me, fund all of that, if I can get it out, uh, with that gift card from eatwithus.com. But Bulldog Burger Company, a great place. I love going in there. I love getting the spring rolls. I love the great restaurant quality hamburger. And as I've mentioned many times before, what I love the most is I get more than I pay for. Great food at a great price and a great portion. A lot of people are cutting back and then charging you the same price for less food than you were getting before. Not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. Absolutely doing it right. Three great locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and, of course, the new one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and check them out today. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a look at the game. No, I mean, as painful as it is, let's go through it. Well, you know, the opening toss probably went the way we wanted it to go. Even though we didn't win, the net result was the same. Had we won the toss, I'm sure we would have deferred the second half. That's actually worked out pretty well for us as of late. Not to mention Ole Miss, an offensive team, and you felt like, you know what, as good as they've been in the first quarter, because they scheme you up so well, they get a couple big plays and they run tempo. Next thing you know, it's a 7 nothing ball game. They have been really fast starters by and large this year. And so it made sense for Ole Miss winning the toss, taking it, and you think, you know what, if we can get a stop here, you know, maybe we can get some early juice. And that's exactly what happened. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Mississippi State made every play on this drive. I mean, really, I mean, this possession, they really, really, really played well. And defensively, I thought we were ready to go. Were there some lapses later? Yes. But I thought early on, defense played really well. But Matt Corral incomplete to Braylon Sanders. I don't know if he was a true waggle player or whatever, but he kind of rolls right and throws out to Sanders. Sanders has it initially, and then Emerson breaks it up as they go to the ground. thought that was a big play, too, because it was going to be a sure first down. They run Ely, and it's a two-yard loss. Aaron Brule, Cam Young, knifing through there. All of a sudden, it's third and long. We talked about that on Wednesday's show. It's very, very important. Don't put them in situations where they can kind of be multiple. Make them a little more predictable. Well, they do, and they get John Domingo, who has been banged up most of the year. Jalen Green, Aaron Brule tackled just short of the sticks. Ole Miss decides to go. It was a terrible decision. It didn't come back to haunt them, 
but it was a terrible decision. Fourth and one from their 34. They run Jerry on Ely, and Aaron Brule basically meets him at the handoff. They spotted that a one-yard loss. It, it was worse than that. Thought it was a bad spot. Not that it mattered in the end. But all of a sudden, we talked about this on Wednesday. State needed a big defensive play early to give them some juice, to give the crowd some juice. We absolutely get that. Could not have asked for a better situation and a better opening series from the Bulldog defense. Offense has a chance to go make some things happen. And Will Rogers did say later in postgame that he felt like this was a big deal. This is a really big deal. When we didn't cash in here, it was huge. And he's absolutely right. So we're complete to Polk for eight, which gets it down to 25. Complete now to DJ for four. Now it's the first and 10 at the Ole Miss 21. We run DJ again for three, gets it inside the 20. Incomplete to Jaden Wiley there. And if I remember correctly, that's the one where Wiley never looked for the football. And, and I think the ball hit him. And it's a false start on Scott Lashley. And again, this is a uh, third and seven play. And you could see Sam Williams. They, you know, Sam's a guy that is, we've talked about him on the show too, is a relentless pass rusher. And it made sense. You put your best pass rusher, especially a guy that's uh, able to play from both sides of the line, over perhaps a Mississippi State's um, more limited pass rusher or pass blocker. And so they put him over there on Lashley's side. And you could, you could just kind of see it developing. It's like the, the wider and wider that Williams got out there in that seven technique. Lashley, you just kind of saw him tense up a little bit. It's a false start. Then we're complete to DJ for seven. And then Noah McCord comes out and knocks a 34-yard field goal in. You know, and you say, well, you know, we had this. You know, I go back to the second and seven when we, when we Wiley and Rodgers were on the same page. I don't know who is at fault there. But the net result is it put Mississippi State at third, seven. Then you get behind the chains with the false start. And so that mistake was compounded by another. So we kick a field goal, and you think, okay, we've got an early lead, but it's not what it should have been. Fair enough? I think we would all agree. State should have had an opportunity to put that ball in the end zone. We don't. And much of that, again, self-inflicted. It's not like Ole Miss made a play there. They did make some plays on defense later. So Ole Miss gets the uh, return out to the 32, or near the 33. It's complete to Dontario Drummond. And uh, one of the things that I noticed, too, and you, I'm sure you guys saw this as well, I, there was some really good play design by Ole Miss when they would bring the receiver across the backside of the formation and then swing it out to him. And more times than not, they blocked it up really well out on the perimeter. Mainly with that tight end. I noticed the tight end was kind of the inside slot guy there. They did a really good job of him kind of sealing the linebacker. And eventually they get to us with that. But, that, but complete to Don Terry Drummond for 29 yards. They uh, check it down to Ely for six, brings up a second and four. Then it's complete to Drummond again. That's a guy, too, out of Laurel High School, too, that um, we essentially passed on. I mean, we talk about evaluations. That's a guy that uh, – May have gone to Ole Miss e either way, but uh, we were not really in the game with him. First and 10 uh, at the State 21. Eliton runs for two. It's complete to Plumley for three. What has happened to John Rice Plumley? I mean, honestly, as great an athlete as that guy is, I'm surprised he's not more involved. Uh, third and five, Matt Corral runs for six. And again, this is a chance for us to get off the field. And we don't. And this is, again, Matt Corral making the difference. We knew that he would run a little bit more. You know, it's the bowl, it's the egg bowl, or the battle for the golden egg, and you got plenty of time to heal before the next one. So you knew that he would. 
And this is where they got us more times than not. Yes, when things did break down and he saw opportunities to tuck it and go, he did. He's very aggressive. So after the play, too, or on the tackle, it's a face mask penalty, which tacks on five, makes it, uh, you know, first and go with the five. However, Bulldog defense really stood tall here. And that's the thing. We go back early in the ballgame. Again, I saw some people really complaining about our net. Defensively early on, we played well. We did, and here's another good example. First and five, Corral runs it, and Nathan Pickering, you know, pretty nice tackle there. And I thought State was bringing some heat, too. I thought, you know, Corral took some punishment, but he kept getting up. He did, to, again, to his credit. Matt Corral then runs for two down to the State three. Then there is a false start on Jeremy James, backs it up five. I thought that was very significant, because it kind of eliminates uh, a lot of the quarterback run stuff. But Matt Corral gets flushed and runs, and Charlton gets him for no gain, brings up a fourth and eight. Kel Nation, uh, Ole Miss's second-team kicker, uh, bangs it through for 25 yards to tie the ballgame. They kick off. Mac Brown kicks off for them, and it's short of the goal line. Uh, Tulu takes it at the two and then brings it out 33 yards to 35. For a second there, it looked like that he might be able to take it back, and I think the kicker actually uh, delivered the blow there on the sidelines and actually a pretty good tackle. I was a couple people in the press box thought they might even charge targeting. And I, I began to kind of think to myself, I don't know if I've ever seen a kicker charge with targeting. What would that mean? If you're already down to your second team kicker and then all of a sudden you got to – he's out of the game for targeting? I mean, that'd be interesting. But it's a 3-3 ball game halfway through the first quarter. Rodgers goes back to work. We're complete to poke for 11 out to the 46. You rush it with Marks for five. We're already across midfield. J.J. Jernigan then runs for four on a second five, brings up a third and one. And then uh, Woody runs for three to get the first down. And just kind of felt like, you know what, we're fixing to put this ball in the end zone. It really felt like we were able to do pretty much what we wanted to do at this point. Uh, first and ten to Wally for five, brought up a second five. We're incomplete to Woody. Broken up by Ole Miss defender Sutter Johnson. We go back to old tried and true Makai Polk, who gets six and the first down. First and ten at the Ole Miss 31. We check it down to Woody for four. Come back to Austin Williams for 10, inside the 10. And at this point, you thought it's just a matter of time before we get it in here. And lo and behold, first and seven, we, we get the look we want. We get Polk basically, uh, you know, on an out there in the end zone. And there was so much separation on the play. I didn't know if the defender slipped or whatever. But McCulk is, Polk is wide open. And Rodgers just overthrows him a little bit. I mean, it's just off his hands there. We're, we're talking a matter of inches. The next thing you know, we get up a sack. It's brutal. It's like that one mistake, the next thing you know, you're behind the chains. You have to check it down, kick another field goal. Nolan McCord is good at 6-3. It felt like it should have been 10-3. It did. And I'm sure on the Ole Miss side of things, they were thinking, well, hey, we had that situation first and goal and didn't get anything too. Yeah, I, I get it. I understand. But you didn't have a wide receiver wide open in the end zone that um, had beaten the defense. So, again, a missed opportunity for State to get some separation and get ahead 10-3 here. All right, so we close out the quarter with uh, Ole Miss having the football. You know, they, they get the ball after a touchback. And then there is a little, you know, a little swing pass for three. Forbes with a very physical tackle on the sidelines. They run Ely for six, brings up a third and one. They go back to Ely, who I thought was really good, uh, who had nine yards on the play and picks up a first down. So that runs out the quarter. And while that was significant at the time, and I looked this note up. Before this game, Mississippi State was 5-0 when they won the first quarter. 
I felt like, and I almost wrote an article about this, I felt like in order for State to win this game, you had to win the first quarter. You had to survive, you know, that opening barrage. Because, again, if you've watched Ole Miss play at all this year, you know exactly how good they are running tempo. When they get you on the ropes, they just keep swinging. And so I kind of felt like, you know, hey, we might get down to nothing in the first quarter. That, that might be what happens. Maybe that's what has to happen before we adjust. But instead, we're up 6-3. And so there's reason for some optimism, even though we haven't been especially sharp on offense. You see, no matter what, hey, we're ahead, 6-3. Well, not for much longer. Um, I guess we did get off the field in this drive, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So it started the second quarter. Corral is incomplete to Braylon Sanders on first and 10. They took some shots down the field and never really hit one. That's a you know, stark contrast to what we had last year because last year I thought Matt Corral just victimized our safeties. I mean, it's like they just dial it up and throw it down there and uh, Braylon Sanders and those guys made plays. Uh, it wasn't there tonight. And there were some times, too, when it was m- maybe a chance and uh, Corral was just off a little bit. Maybe that's because uh, he and his receivers hadn't practiced much together in recent weeks. But the reality of it is they didn't get us on the deep shots. Then there's a false start on Eli Acker. Uh, I believe Eli's a pride of uh, Heritage Academy, right? So the Matt Corral runs for six, brings up a third and nine. And, again, it's a chance for us to get off the field. Well, we don't. Not on this play. The, the, the rush nearly gets there. Corral takes off, gets, nine, gets 12 yards on the first down, brings up a first and ten. Then it's incomplete to Drummond, and then they swing it out to Drummond for two. And uh, Colin Duncan, DeMonte Russell, a nice play there. And then third and eight, they go to Mingo. And this is uh, a drop. I think he's probably going to turn and get the first down pretty easily. But he drops the football. And, again, that's a product of not playing. Then they punt it for 42 yards as a state touchback. And so, again, we get off the field here. Some of it with their help. You know, that drop was huge. The false start was huge. But then Matt Corral converts on on the uh, 12-yard run. That was big for them, too. But, again, you get off the field. So we're over a quarter into the ball game, and uh, really Ole Miss's you know, only real true threat was the field goal drive, and much of that was set up by the little the, that really nice pass out to Ontario Drummond, basically in the flats. I mean, it was a really well-designed play. When you go back and watch it, you, you'll see too that the inside blocker actually got two bulldogs on the play. We, like he makes a good block, and then somebody else gets caught up in the traffic. All right, so State gets the ball again. We're up 6-3, and you're thinking here, at least my thinking was, okay, we go down and put a ball in the end zone here, and it makes it 13-3. You're up two scores. You're going to win the half. That's just kind of how I felt. You're going to win the half, and we're a second-half team. We should be in good shape. Man, you think if we can have a lead at the break, we got a chance to put these guys away. So, again, a great opportunity for the Bulldogs here. And uh, we don't capitalize. We put together a good drive. We just didn't finish. And in, and in the games that Mississippi State has lost, that's been the story of the game. All right, so we're incomplete to Jaden Wally to start. And, again, old tried and true, Makai Polk. We go back to him for 12 on a first down. First and 10, DJ runs for two. And then there's an offside penalty on Jamon Gordon. Uh, so we take the penalty, brings up a first and five, give it to DJ, and he runs for a first down. I actually thought he was short. I thought he was a little bit short. And next thing I know, they're moving the chains. First and ten, we go back to DJ for three, then back to him for six, brings up a manageable third and one. Let's just give it to him. What's that, five plays in a row? Wow. Dylan then runs for five and a first down. First and ten at the Ole Miss 44, we go back to Polk for nine, and then they bring it back for an eligible downfield, and he was. It was Cole Smith. 
as the play was unfolding, you look back and you see the guys down the field, and all of a sudden there's a flag. And it was a pretty easy call in that respect. Next thing you know, we're, we're out to Will Rogers. Will Rogers' 23-yard pass to Makai Polk. Down to the Ole Miss 26. And again, it felt like, you know what, they're not going to be able to stop us. They're not going to be able to stop us. We can stop ourselves, but they're not going to be able to stop us. When we want to make plays down the field, we can't. Dylan Johnson then runs for four. And then second and six, we swing it out here. I thought this was a bad decision by Will here. This didn't work out for us. But, um, you know, we, with that tunnel screen, we've worked that thing so much. And, you know, you got to run the play. But I don't know. But anyway, no gain on the play. It brings up a third and six. And then we end up uh, – they bring some pressure and – we're incomplete to Austin Williams. And so it's fourth and six. We got a chance to extend the lead a little bit, right? And Nolan McCord misses the field goal. And again, this is when I go back to, it's like you look at this, a chance for State to get separation, and then we don't. A chance for us to build a lead, and we don't. And listen, give them some credit too. You know I mean? It's like in this position, you know, they made some tackles here. It wasn't like that they just laid down and let us play seven on seven and we dropped the football. You know, maybe some questionable play calling here, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, the last three plays of this drive leading up to the missed field goal were a run for four and then a complete pass for no gain and then an incompletion. So we miss. We miss the field goal. And then at that point, I'll be honest with you, my enthusiasm about our lead really kind of diminished. It's like, you know what, you know they're going to score at some point. I mean, Ole Miss is too good an offense. I mean, you're not, you're not just going to hold them down the whole ball game. You know, at some point, they're going to get some things going. Uh, Lebby and, and Kiffin and those guys are two good offensive coaches. They're not, you're not just going to sit back there, you know, with a future first-round draft pick and, uh, and then not score. And this is, again, again, you let teams hang around. You don't stress them a little bit. And next thing you know, you're in trouble. Well, that's exactly what happens. That is exactly what happens. It's like it, it really felt like State was in kind of in control. At this point, State's in control of the ball game. And you look at it and say, you know what? These are all self-inflicted injuries here. You know, we miss a touchdown pass. We miss a field goal. You know, guys, that's, that's a huge swing right there. You know, we had to kick the one field goal, but let's say you get the touchdown there, that's four points. Now, then, you know, you make this field goal, you know, there's another seven. It's, you begin to look at all this, and it's like it's absolutely insanity to think about where we were, that, okay, it's, it's a 6-3 ball game and we've left points on the field through our own ineptitude. This is really, in many respects, where I think the game, you know, people say, well, you know, there's a lot of ball game left. You know, all these plays count. And to suggest that, you know, two missed opportunities in the, early in the first half and second quarter weren't impactful to the game is very short-sighted. But the reality of it is we had an opportunity, we didn't take advantage. And that's really the theme of the night, right? So, Matt Corral incomplete to Jonathan Mingo. Charlton gets good pressure there. I thought Charlton played pretty well. Didn't exactly fill out the box score, but I thought he impacted the game. I thought he was probably State's best pass rusher. Henry Parrish then runs for a three-yard gain uh, off the right side, if I remember correctly. And in third and seven, they're complete to Mingo for nine. Moves the chains. Incomplete to Mingo. And uh, this is one where... We really brought some heat here, and this set up a chain of events here that I thought in many respects is a big turning point in this ballgame. So they call intentional grounding. I, I thought it was a fairly obvious call. Some other people didn't like the call. He was clearly just trying to throw the ball away to avoid a sack. There was no actual intent to complete the pass. 
but they call intentional grounding, brings up a second and 22. Now, State brings Tyrus Wheat off the right, the right side. Tyrus Wheat is going to come through, and he's held on the play. There's no, there's no denying that he was held, and it was pretty obvious. Corral takes advantage. It's complete to Braylon Sanders. So they erase that second and 22 on one play. If the hold is called, it's at least second and 33. That could have changed the, the complete complexity of this drive. But instead, it's first and 10. So it was a blown call. It was. You know, at the end of the day, too, though, you know, we can defend that. I mean, I don't mean we can defend the hold, but we can get out there in the pass pattern. If the guy's not open, the guy's not open. The guy took full advantage. Matt Corral didn't know the guy was being held. They convert. And that was a huge play in the ballgame. Huge. Not just the hold, but the fact that there's a completion. And he might have completed it without the hold. But the reality of it is, when you've got him backed up in second and 22, you've got to get off the field. We don't. Elyton runs for three. They're complete to Ontario Drummond, who had a really big game for them. 16 yards to the state, 33. Complete to Mingo for three, brings up a second and seven. Snoop Connor, and I told you guys, Snoop Connor scares me. He does. This is a guy that runs really hard. He's basically a one-cut runner, runs really well between the tackles, and he had a good ball game for us. And at this point, this is his first touches. He runs for a one-yard loss. They go back to him on third and eight, and he runs for a 16-yard gain. And again, a chance for us to get off the field. Third and eight, not a traditional passing. I mean, running down, especially in this offense with uh, with Matt Corral. Third and eight, but it's a 16-yard game for Snoop. It is. First and 10 at the state 15, Corral runs for four. Then they go, basically at this point, they're like, you know what? We're going to make them stop us. We're going to make them stop Snoop Connor. The guy's getting downhill. They're going to run this 3-3-5 offense, defense, and then we're going to we're going to go right to that front. And they did. They went right at us. Connerton goes for five, back for two. That was on third and one. So that sets up a first and goal with the four. You know, State fought hard down here, but we couldn't stop him. First and four, it's a run of two. Brings up a second and two. He gets one. Third and one, he's in the end zone. And that's what happens when you have a very powerful short yardage back like Snoop Connor. When you get down close like that, you just keep pounding away. It might take you two or three plays. But it's tried and true. When you've got a guy like that that runs hard and always falls forward, he's going to get positive yardage, uh, certainly in the red zone. And Snoop Connor's been outstanding for Ole Miss. I think in many respects kind of a, an unheralded hero on this team. You know, people talk about Ailey. They talk about, you know, Braylon Sanders and, and, of course, Matt Corral. But I don't know that Snoop Connor gets enough credit on this team. He's the guy, honestly, he scares me more than everybody outside of Matt Corral. It's because of the fact, this what we're talking about. You just rarely see him hit for a loss. And when it is, it's usually the fault of somebody else. Thought he was a real difference maker for them. Kel Nation of Madison Central knocks it through. Then Mac Brown kicks off. Uh, Woody Marks brings it out. We get 12 yards on a return to the 21. But it's a 10-6 Ole Miss ball game. And you're thinking, okay, two minutes and 15 seconds to go here. Uh, we got a chance to get anything right here. And that's, that's, that's what I was thinking. You, if you get a field goal, anything, with you getting the ball coming out of the half, you got a chance again to get some separations. Let's put a drive together. And if we score, if we get in the end zone, all of a sudden it's a 13-10 game. You're coming out, you score that first possession, second half, you've doubled up on your possessions and doubled up the score. Next thing you know, it's a 20-10 game. Changes the complexity of everything. Now, what happened, though? We did put a good drive together, though. We're incomplete to Malik Keith. 
incompleted Jaden Wally. Brought up a third and ten. At this point, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm thinking, you know, we're fixing to give these guys the ball back with about two minutes to go. They could cash in another thing, and all of a sudden they're up two scores before the break. And in many respects, you'd feel like the game was over. We lay it out there, and and to Lou Griffin, and man, it's so good to see that guy back out there. You know, we haven't played last few weeks, and uh, did go through practice last week in a non-contact jersey. I'm told he could have gone against Tennessee State, but but why risk it, right? So he was out there last night, outstanding. Another incredible back shoulder throw from Will, and uh, Tulu makes the big catch there. Incomplete to Austin Williams. They get a PBU there on the play. And then on second and 10, what do we do? We lay it up to Tulu again. Let me back up a second. That 19-yard gain, I, I think that's the one where they initially charged target. It is. I didn't think it was targeting either. But I saw, like, any time that you see that violent pitch of the head, they're almost going to err on a side of caution. They did. They go back and review it, and it's, it's shoulder-to-shoulder contact, and it didn't look like that he really launched with the crown. So it didn't take long. They said, ah, oh, no, it's not targeting. And I actually agreed with the call. I know it would have been a big moment, obviously, to get Caden Smith out of the game. But I didn't think – I thought the right call was made. Uh, but I didn't get – so, again, we make this great throw to Tulu, and he just elevates and pulls it down. And this is why you go sign that guy. This is why he had four stars next to his name. It's because of his ball skills, his ability to elevate, his ability to make plays when the ball placement's not perfect. But on this play, it was. 32-yard down to the Ole Miss 28. Now you're thinking, well, hey, we might go put this ball in the end zone. And again, give Ole Miss credit if they kept us out. Some silliness happened. It did. So we're complete to Tulu again for 12, down to the Ole Miss 16. First and 10 again, and we're, we swing it out to Marks for 11. And, uh, and so what's crazy about all this, this is when the fake injury stuff started happening. And so I, I say fake injury because here's the thing. You know, when guys keep coming back, and, and what's amazing to me, and maybe this is an observation that's lost on many, how come these cramps never happen to offensive players at Ole Miss? Why is it always defense? Like when they're getting gashed a little bit, why is it always then? And it's like it's, it's usually the same one or two players. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. If that defensive tackle, if he can't make it through a game without cramps, he doesn't need to be playing college football. I mean, how do you get cramps at this point in the year? I mean, the old mishydration plan must be the worst in the history of the game of college football. And so a lot of people would say, well, Steve, what can be done? I, thought, I was talking to Mike Nemeth about this last night. You always have to err on the side of caution when there is an injury situation. What, what if it is real? What if it's not a cramp? You know, what if a guy has uh, torn a hamstring? What if a guy has torn an ACL or a meniscus or whatever? You always have to err on the side of caution. Now, but what you can do is you can prevent the team from receiving a competitive advantage from that. Because, you know, everybody gets injured. Oh, everybody goes to the sidelines. No, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And an injury, the defense is going to stay on the field. The coaches are not going to come out. The players are not going to go over. And what's so silly about this is, like, what was a minute nine to go? Ole Miss had three timeouts. You want to talk, just call timeout. It didn't make any sense. But there has to be some changes in this. And I, I understand that the SEC is looking into this, not this play, but this whole practice. And it's not just limited to Ole Miss. There have been some other people that have done it too. And while I'm at that too, Ole Miss folks, it's really tacky. And I know that's, I know you're kind of the kings of that. When there is an injured player on the field for Mississippi State to start your your hotty-totty chant. I mean, you're supposed to kind of reverently sit there quietly while people are attending to the player. I mean, that's just – it's so it's so tacky. 
but I, I shouldn't expect any more. But the reality of it is, is that really kind of changed some things. They, they had a chance to go over there and, and talk, and that, that's when we swing it out to Woody there, right out of the, uh, the quote, injury. And Woody gets it down uh, at first and goal. And this is when the circus came to town right here. This is when we talk about missed opportunities. Well, here it is. And we had three of them. I'll be honest with you. I thought Jaquavius Marks had it was into the end zone. I didn't realize it was incomplete until uh, the play was over. I mean, I'm like, hey, he's in. So Marks drops the touchdown pass. And then uh, on second and five, you know, we're incomplete. And they called a holding call on Cole Smith. And that's okay. We find a way again to get into the end zone. We go inside. We swing it. We swing the way the wheel route out to Jaquavius Marks. And I don't know that Will Rogers could have thrown the ball any better. And Woody is going to stroll into the end zone. And we drop it. Third and 15, Tulu gets inside, elevates, gets a great throw, and drops a football. So three consecutive plays where State had a touchdown and missed it, and then lo and behold, we missed a field goal too. So we get nothing out of that, nothing. So, again, we go back early on, had to settle for a field goal. We missed a touchdown pass. There's four points. Had another drive that we had an opportunity to score. We end up attempting a field goal. We miss. Same thing here. And so you can kind of begin to see that the pain train is coming. We're not able to finish. And this field goal kick and stuff, but it's like, I, I just want to ask you guys this too, and I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at any individual player. Please understand me. But some of you are our fans that somehow think this is the Boy Scouts or something. Do you not understand now why, how important it is? I mean, oh, Mike Leach threw our kickers under the bus. Well, I, you know, here's the thing you didn't know is he met with all of them individually after that, gave them all a book to read, you know, spend some time with them, talk to them about expectations. You don't know, you don't see that stuff, though. You don't see any of that stuff. But the bottom line is, is when we get opportunities to score, we got to score. Not expecting to be 100%, nobody is. People are going to make mistakes. As Will Rogers said, you know, we're human. But this is one of those things, again, you kind of get the feeling this isn't our night. Because if we score a touchdown here and you're up 13-10 at the break, you start feeling pretty good about life. Because Mississippi State has been primarily a second-half team. Well, we didn't. And, again, this isn't Ole Miss making a play. This is Mississippi State failing to make a play. I think we can all agree with that. And, of course, uh, Ole Miss gets the ball back. They just nail it down and get into the half. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, second half. Mississippi State gets the ball first and a chance, of course, to go out and take a lead. It's uh it's 10-6. We're still lamenting the loss of some opportunities. And uh, we get a touchback here, so it's first and 10 at our 25. We'll complete the poke for 10, which brings it out to the 35. Incomplete to Malik Heath. Jernigan then runs for five, brings up a manageable third and five. 
We swing it out to DJ, and he gets hemmed up pretty good there, and it's a five-yard loss on the play. You just one of those things, too, where you give Ole Miss some credit here. They covered it up pretty well. We had to take the underneath stuff and just nothing to, to get there. And then Archer Trafford with a 47-yard punt gets Dontari on Drummond back to the 18. He actually nearly muffs it. You know, he calls for the fair catch, bobbles it just a little bit, secures it. Could have been a big play, but it wasn't. So first and 10 here, and this is where Ole Miss really began to take control of the ball game. First drive of the second half, complete to Ely for nine, complete to Drummond for five, brings up a first and 10 if they're 32. Ely then runs for 11. Now all of a sudden, Ely's starting to get more and more and more plays down the field. Complete to Dontario Drummond for 34. Jalen Green runs him out of bounds just outside of the Bulldog red zone. And they go back to Connor here, runs for seven, brings up a manageable second and three. Aaron Odom makes a tackle downfield, but not before Matt Corral has run for 15 yards. They get him at the one, brings up a first and goal at the one, and you know who they're going to go to. It's Snoop Connor. Again, one yard in for the touchdown. Extra point is good. It's now 17 to six. And at this point, everybody's hopes are starting to fade. Uh, including my own, you start thinking, you know what, State's got to find a way to make this thing happen. And I thought this was a very significant drive right here because we had a chance, again, to start pulling even. But instead, it's a pretty short drive. Saved the uh, face mask penalty there. It would have been a three and out. Marks goes for one yards, and they flagged Javon Gordon for a face mask. Now, I haven't seen the replay. But some of our fans even said on Twitter that he actually didn't get the face mask, that he got the jersey, and he may have. So the state gets the benefit of a call there, which is pretty rare in our history. So it gives up a first and 10 at our 38. We're complete to marks. Again, no yards there. And that was kind of that old school check down from last year. You know, it's like we just didn't have any impro- improvisation at all there or improvisation. Reese makes a good open field tackle. Then we're incomplete to Polk. Looked like there was a play to be made there. We just the, the throw just wasn't on time there. And then Will Rogers sacked for a five a six yard loss. Sam Williams again beginning to exert himself. Get a 46 yard punt down to the Ole Miss 22. And again, Ole Miss has a chance to put us away here, but the Bulldog defense uh, stands up pretty tall here. It's complete to Drummond for one. Then there's a false start. Backs him up behind the chain. Second and 14. Corral gets loose for a 42-yard gain, but it was a pretty obvious holding call. Brings it back, makes it second and 23. Again, they're behind the chains here. They give it to Ely for 12, brings up a fourth and seven. They punt, and we, we call for the fair catch at our 30. And that holding call, too, drew a very sarcastic reaction from the fans. You know, it's kind of like, oh, they've been doing it all night. And they had been. But they finally get flagged for it here, backs it up. And again, state an opportunity to climb back in this ballgame. First and 10 from our 30. Dillon runs for nine. Will Rogers then complete to Tulu for seven. Already out near midfield. Uh, brings up a, it says second one. Should be a second and three. Then we're complete to Dylan Johnson, who gets loose and just carries some people with him. Very determined uh, run after the catch for him for 18 yards down to the Ole Miss uh, 36 there. Rogers gets flushed, runs for two yards. We find Jaden Wiley for 26. Big play here. They actually flagged Williams for a hold on the perimeter. It looked to be pretty iffy. I'm sure if you're on the Ole Miss side of things, you say it's an obvious call. The state side say not much there, and there really wasn't a whole lot there. But at the end of the day, 
it's a penalty. But it's not a huge one. It brings up a second and 10. And then they get in our face a little bit, and we flag uh, Lashley for holding. Now it's second and 20. Will Rogers in runs for an eight-yard gain, brings up a third and 12. We end up, again, Ole Miss does a good job covering over the top. We have to check it down underneath to Jaden Wally for five at the, at the 33. We decided to go for it on fourth and seven, which was absolutely the right call. Uh, especially after McCord's missed two in a row. Not to mention, I think, the, the length of this field goal attempt would have uh, probably probably been a little bit more than he could muster at this point. And then Sam Williams again gets back there and uh, ends the drive for us. It's a sack all the way back uh, at the Ole Miss 39. Still 17-6 ball game, and, and time is beginning to run out on us. They go to Connor at this point. You're probably going to run some clock, right? I mean, you're up two possessions late in the third quarter. Uh, they run it. 10 yards for Connor for first down. Now already out to midfield. Incomplete to Braylon Sanders. Brings up a second and 10. Find the Tontario Drummond again, and he was absolutely the receiver of choice and consistently got open for us. And that was a knock on him out of junior college. Well, you know, his foot speed's not that great. He looked good last night. Third and six, a chance to get off the field. What do they do? They find Drummond again. First down. First and 10 at our 36. Matt Corral gets flushed and then runs for five. That runs out the quarter. They don't run another play. Brings up uh, a second and five, Henry Paris, who didn't do much. And uh, he is a pretty good complimentary back to them, but he didn't do much last night. Didn't need him to. Two yards, brings up a third and three. They find it to Ontario Drummond, and State does a really good job here of balling him up, forcing a fourth and four to our 30 with, uh, you know, your backup kicker out there and a chance to put the game away. You go for it. They do, fourth and four. They find Jerry and Ailey for 11. Brings up a first down. And at this point, I thought it was just a matter of who was going to score, not if they were going to score. They find Ontario Drummond for six, brings up a second four, then complete to Ely. Third and two, again, a chance to force a field goal and get off the field here. We don't we don't get it done. Jerry Ely runs for three, brings up a first and goal at the eight. What do you do? You go back to, to Snoop, right? Run for a one-yard gain, and then Corral decides to run off the right side there. Uh, Jet Johnson with a pretty physical tackle. Devontae Russell with an assist. Uh, third and four, Matt Corral then tucks it and goes inside for the touchdown. And at this point, the game was over. It was just really a matter of what the final score was going to be. Uh, they kick off here, and Tulu takes it at the eight, returns to 17 yards out to the 25. 11 minutes and 11 seconds to go. State is down 18. Three possessions at this point, and I think we all understood how this thing was going to turn out at this point. Will Rogers complete to Malik Heath for five. They flag Mark Robinson for targeting, and the call is upheld. Makes it first and 10 at the state 45. Woody then runs for five out to midfield, brings up a second five. Incomplete to Makai Polk, incomplete to Makai Polk. This time there was a holding call that they pass on that. Probably the right call, fourth and five. We go for it again out near midfield, and it's broken up by Chance Campbell. Good job of him getting his hand up in the passing lane there. I thought he played really well last night too. Uh, so now Ole Miss takes over at midfield, and we actually get uh, a stop here. Jerry Lee runs for a one-yard gain and is complete to Dontario for 11, brings up first and 10 in the state 38. And you're beginning to think the route may be on. Complete Domingo for a two-yard loss. Emmanuel Forbes read it all the way, peeled off his guy, beat a block, got inside, and basically flipped Mingo head over heels. Connor then runs for five, brings up a third and seven. Corral got a little bit greedy here and basically throws it right to Jet Johnson, who returns it 48 yards to the Ole Miss 22. State, again, a chance to try to climb back into this thing. They do. 
still a mountain to climb, but at least uh, the first step was taken. Back-to-back offside penalties on KD Hill and uh, put him on your prayer list. He has an issue with chronic cramps. So we moved the chains without even having to snap the football. Back-to-back offsides. Will Rodgers incomplete to Dylan Johnson for one to the Ole Miss 11. And we find Jaden Wiley in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. McCord knocks it through. Now it's 24-13. Ole Miss puts together a drive and really removed all doubt right here. Any chance State had of a comeback was removed on this drive right here. Ely runs for eight, then runs for no gain, third and two, a chance to get off the field. And, of course, what do you do on short yardage? You, you, you give it to Connor. He runs for the first down, first and ten. We get him for no gain. We call timeout to kind of slow things down a bit, save some clock. Then it's incomplete to Braywin Sanders. Not exactly sure why you're, you're, you're passing there. Uh, Matt Corral then takes a shot down the field. They call Colin Duncan for P.I. I, I thought it was a pretty obvious call, and some of our fans disagreed. There was definitely contact. I don't know, though. You might could argue the pass might have been uncatchable, but there is no denying that there was contact. That sets up a first and 10th MSU 15. What do they do? They find Jerry and Ely for the touchdown. And at this point, the game is absolutely over. It's 31-13, so all the progress you made uh, from the points off the turnover have been erased. 31-13, State gets the ball back at 526 at our 34 after a nice return from Tulu Griffin. Complete to Wiley for 12. Back to Marks for seven. Brings up a second and three. We get Polk for the first down. First and ten at their 41. We're complete to Marks for eight. Now we're starting to roll a little bit, but it's a little bit too late. Woody then runs for four. Complete to uh, Tulu Griffin for seven. Makes a second and three. Woody runs for two on a little bit of a swing pass there. And then we're incomplete to Tulu. We go for it on fourth and one. Woody gets it with ease with a nine-yard gain. We go back to him a play later. 11 yards into the end zone for the touchdown. We go for two, find Makai Polk back in the end zone. Now it's a 10-point game, 31-21 with 2.26 to go. Need to get a stop and save some uh, some clock if we can. Well, we do that. Jerry on Ely and runs for three, timeout state. Ely goes for four, timeout state. Third and three, Ely goes for two, timeout state. And then they go for it on fourth and one from our 40. Jet Johnson knives through and makes a big TFL there. Uh, to give us the ball back on the turnover on downs. Just a minute 19 to go in the ball game, though. Just one of those crazy things, you know. See, I mean, you, mathematically, you have a chance. Realistically, you don't. Well, Rodgers complete to DJ for 11, back to DJ for 17. DJ played well. Well, Rodgers incomplete to Makai Heath. I think originally they called this complete, and they went back and reviewed it, and uh, the ball was, in fact, on the ground. So it is now an incomplete, brings up a second and 10. Uh, from the Ole Miss 31. All right, first and 10. So second and eight, 10, we, we find Makai Polk for 13 in the first down. Into the red zone we go. Incomplete to Malik Heath. Incomplete to Dylan Johnson. And incomplete to Makai Polk for nine. Brings up a fourth and one. We hit Austin Williams to get it first and go with the five. We spike the football. I mean, there's what, five seconds left. Incomplete to Jaden Wiley. And there is pass interference on Jake Springer, which gives us a first down at the two. However, there is also a dead ball foul. Cam Jones hit for unsportsmanlike conduct after the play. So it gives us an untimed down from the 17, and uh, Will Rogers elects to run for it. Not much of a chance to make it there, but the guy's a competitor. And there's your ball game. 31-21, Ole Miss wins, and they did win the ball game. Now, there were opportunities for us, obviously. But, again, we go back to this. There, there are missed opportunities in every game. This time, we didn't take advantage of, of our opportunities and uh, now we're sitting here today with a loss, looking at some individual numbers in this ballgame. 
Uh, Matt Corral, not exactly a huge passing day, but a very efficient passing day, 25 of 33 for 229 yards, a touchdown and an interception, and just to one sack, and that was on an intentional grounding. I don't think we ever really got a clean hit at him in the backfield, and that's also a tribute to his zone athleticism. Will Rogers, 38 of 58, 336 yards and a touchdown, uh, sacked three times. And uh, Sam Williams, I know, had two of those. Jerry and Ailey runs for 60. We held him below his average, but it just seemed like he had a lot of impact on the game. Snoop Connor, a couple touchdowns, 54 yards in the game. Matt Corral runs for 45. And then Henry Parrish, uh, not much, second for two, two carries for just five yards. On the Mississippi State side, Woody Marks runs for 45. Dylan Johnson for 26. J.J. Jernigan for nine. Will Rogers, uh, a, a net of four. Receiving Dontario Drummond, absolutely the hero for Ole Miss. 13 catches, 133 yards. Didn't make it into the end zone, but that long play of 34 was very significant early in the ballgame. Ailey, uh, five catches for 43. John Domingo, four of 21. And again, he's just kind of returning. Probably will be a much better help by the time they play a bowl game, which will be a New Year's Six game. Uh, Makai Polk, 10 grabs for 98 yards. Uh, held out of the end zone. Tulu Griffin, five for 77. Dylan Johnson, nine for 62. Wiley, 5 for 41. Woody, 6 of 29. Austin Williams, 2 of 24. It, is, it was pretty in, pretty obvious they were trying to take him away from us on those possession plays. Malik Heath, 1 of 5. Malik Heath also goes through the senior day activities. Uh, some talk behind the scenes that he is looking to go pro. All right, looking at defensive numbers. Uh, Chance Campbell for Ole Miss, 12 tackles. Jake Springer for 10. Kedron Smith for 9. He will miss the first half of the bowl game after. Uh, he won't, not him. I apologize for that. Uh, Mark Robinson, eight tackles. DeAndre Prince for seven. Otis Reese for six. Uh, Sam Williams, five. Not a lot, but even when he didn't make a play, he impacted the game. He does get two sacks in the game, but uh, also had Will Rogers run around a good bit. Fred Peters, a quiet 14 tackles in the ballgame. Nate Watson, 13 tackles, and uh, is credited with the sack on the intentional grounding. Jalen Green, one of his better games as a Bulldog, has 12 tackles. Jet Johnson with 11, also with a tackle for loss. Aaron Brule, seven total tackles, two of those for loss. There was some question this year, would Brule come out? I don't think he's had the season to do that, and I'm told privately that Aaron Brule will be back next year. That is big for the Bulldog uh, linebacking core. Emmanuel Forbes, six tackles. Colin Duncan with six. Uh, had a couple of really physical plays there uh, for him. Cam Young, six tackles, one with a TFL. Uh, so you run down the numbers here, and you, know, you look at it, and the difference in the ballgame, basically, you know, is the fact that when given the opportunity, Ole Miss converted. State had 30 first downs, Ole Miss 23. Interesting, right? They outrushed us 159-84. to 84. We outpassed them 336-229. to 229. We actually had more offense than they did, 420 yards to 388. Again, the difference in the ballgame is when they had an opportunity to get down low, they cashed in and scored touchdowns. We missed field goals, or we had to kick field goals. It's a difference in the game. As I said, the opener of the show, when it was time to make plays, they made them. And I thought perhaps the biggest statistic of the night, third down conversions. They were 11 of 18. We were 4 of 14. Time possession essentially equal. Four down conversions, they were 1 of 3. We're 2 of 4. Red zone, 5 for 5 for them. 4 of 6 for us. So, again, a lot of this is on us and our own lack of execution. But when they were given the same opportunities, they executed, and they won the ballgame. 
Simple as that. We're not going to sit here and blame officials. We're not going to sit here and say we beat ourselves. In some respects, we did. But the bottom line is they made the plays to win the football game. That's why they still have the egg. It stinks, but that's the reality of the situation. Now, now that we've said all that, let's take this in some context. Ole Miss, a veteran team, veteran receiving core, veteran quarterback. And, I, you know, anybody that is still kind of like taking shots at Matt Corral, it's just kind of being a disingenuous homer. The guy is really, really good. And he has really matured here in the last couple of years. You know, you don't see him getting all emotional, trying to do too much very often. I mean, they've done a great job developing him as a quarterback. And he is going to be paid handsomely for it uh, here in the NFL draft uh, sooner rather than later. And you know what? Congratulations to him because there have been a lot of guys that go through that and, and never really recover. They go get in the portal or whatever and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. His coaching staff know what they're doing. You know, Matt Corral signed on with a pretty bad Ole Miss team, and he helped make them a really good team. There's no doubt about it, none whatsoever. But at the end of the day, we're a really young team, especially on offense. The nucleus of our offense is mostly sophomores. Makai Polk, a first-year player for us, did not play a ton at Cal, didn't have a ton of production. So our, our better days are ahead of us. And so you look at it and you say, you know what, they probably should beat us. But then I would counter, you know what, we were favored. We were favored in the ballgame. Had a chance, didn't, didn't take advantage. And I've said that probably a dozen times in this ballgame and in this show about this ballgame. His bottom line is we didn't take advantage when the opportunities were there to make them, and you give them credit. They absolutely did. Now, some people would say, oh, you know, well, Steve, this, you know, Leach is not going to do this. And, you know, the bottom line is we get emotional because the, there is such an emotional investment in this ballgame, and we don't win. you got to find somebody to blame. You know, what I blame is the fact that, uh, you know, our players did not execute – when they were given the opportunities to do those plays. And people say, well, you know, Steve, we didn't have a good plan. Well, I thought we actually had a really good plan. But when you don't catch the football, it doesn't matter what the plan is. Fair? And, and a lot of people were jumping on the defense. I mean, you just listen, the defense kept us in the ball game. We expected this to be a game that would probably be 30-20 to 20 or something like that. As a matter of fact, I picked it 31-20 state. You know, we thought there were going to be, you know, 50-some-odd points scored in the ballgame. And the offense did not hold up their end of the deal for the better part of three quarters. So this is not one side or the other. There is enough blame to go around. Special teams, and that's got to get fixed. I don't know what Mike Leach has got to do to fix it. I don't care if you got to go out and scholarship a kicker, you find somebody out of the portal, whatever you got to do, you got to fix it. Uh, Brandon Ruiz went through senior day last night. He won't be back, and, and he was in sweats last night, did not uh, participate. His injury situation, probably a lot worse than people led us to believe. But, you know, Mike Leach didn't like to talk about injuries. But the reality of it is, is the Golden Egg remains in Oxford for another year. And it stinks. We've got to live, live with that all year. We've got to live with those, you know, smarmy old Miss trolls on Twitter. But the bottom line is they won. They deserve to be able to run their mouth because if the shoe was on the other foot, we would be running our mouth too. That's just the sake of being in a rivalry. It's just kind of how things work. But, you know, you tip your cap to Matt Corral. wish him the best. And, um, you know, I think they'll be a different team, you know, without him next year. But I do think as long as Lane Kiffin is there, whether they could get a transfer quarterback or not, they'll be okay. I don't, I don't think their high school guys are very good. Uh, I don't think – not on his level is kind of the point I'm trying to make. I think you've got some guys that can be good players. I don't know if you've got a, a guy that elevates your program quite like Matt Corral. There's a reason that guy had all the stars next to his name. The guy's really, really good. 
But, you know, if Lane Kiffin stays, does Ole Miss go out there and get a transfer? I would say probably so. People say, oh, you know, Spencer Rattler. I, I don't know. But I think as long as Lane Kiffin is there, he'll be able to find a quarterback, whether it be a transfer or whatever. So uh, that's something that kind of remains to be seen. I know many people are rooting that he would go to Miami. Uh, I, I don't think he leaves Oxford unless it's some a place that he really, really wants to be. And Miami could be one of those things. But I don't think he takes a job just to take a job. I know there are a lot of people out there that have – I projected him to LSU. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. I mean, why would you do if – if I could stay at Ole Miss and make all that money and not have to deal with the pressures of, of LSU, that's a win for me. Not to mention they beat LSU this year. Beat LSU pretty well this year. All right, it's time for today's top ten list brought to you by Clothes of Blair.com. Blair Chandler, a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours. It's a guy that knows his way around the mortgage business. He is an outstanding professional in an industry that's very, very competitive. But here's the deal. You don't care about any of that. You just want to find somebody that can get your loan closed as efficiently and as economically as possible. And that's Blair. Blair is a guy that's got a, in the top 1% and close ratio in the industry. Works for Fairway Mortgage, one of the top mortgage lenders in the country, within the top five. So this is not some fly-by-night, some problem that you're dealing with. This is a company that's going to be around. If you're looking to refinance your home, maybe you should. Maybe you're, maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck, and you're like, you know, Steve, I can barely make it. I don't have any money to do the things I really want to do. I can't take my kids on a vacation. I feel like all I ever do is work and pay bills. Well, maybe you need to get your equity working for you and get some of those bills consolidated to lower your overall monthly payment. Blair can help you with that. Or perhaps you're looking to, to buy a home for the first time. Maybe you're looking to get a second mortgage. There's no loan too small. Too complicated, too convoluted. Du Blair can't take a look at it. And this guy will get you close. I mentioned top 1% close ratio in the country. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, if you just mentioned to him, hey, I heard about you on the Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's a really nice value. It's about a $500 value. There's a lot of expenses that go along with getting a mortgage completed. Anytime you can save a little cheese, that's a good thing. Blair's going to do it for you because he believes in keeping it in the family. He is a bulldog himself. And I believe in doing business with Bulldogs. You should, too. Give Blair a call or text today, and I'm going to give you his personal cell number. You're not going to get an office number or an 800 number. No, you're going to get the number to him. As they used to say back in the day, you can hit him on his hip. 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Call or text. He'll get right back to you. This is a mortgage professional you're dealing with. It's a guy that knows what he's doing. Okay, so... Had we won, we would have had a special edition of the uh, top 10 list, but we've lost, and so we're going to go with one of Roy's lists. Roy's been after me for a while to do this, and some of you guys love this band. And Roy, I will say, is one of their more ardent supporters. And it's Night Ranger. You can say, oh, Steve, Night Ranger. Yeah, that, I know the one song. No, there's a lot of good songs. Night Ranger has several good songs, and they weren't a hard rock band. They were kind of rock radio, and they're really good. So we got a top 10 list here. Roy sent me, I don't know, a dozen or so songs that he liked. I listened to them all. I knew probably eight or nine of them. And so I have ranked them accordingly. Number 10 on our list is a power ballad. And it's a song called Goodbye. And that was kind of the, the thing, you know, with rock bands. It's like you had to prove you could rock. And then you had to, you know, show maybe more of your romantic side. So Night Ranger does on this track. Number nine, Rumors in the Air. I dig it. You'll dig it. It's another great up-tempo song. Um, and, and again, 
it's kind of a common tale, you know. It's like, hey, there's all these things that are being said and what's true and what's not. It's not a big surprise. Number eight, this is one that is kind of an underappreciated gem, I think, from Night Ranger. It's Eddie's coming out tonight. And it's kind of, it's, it's rocking, but it's got kind of a, a darker vibe to it. I mean, like, I like the bass one on it a lot. It's not really in your face. It's, it's a pretty good medley, I guess, in some respects. It's like, and what I mean by that is it's not a composition of different songs, but there are some parts in this song that are kind of unpredictable, if you know what I'm saying. Like some songs, like you hear it, and after you've heard it through the first time, there are some changes that they do with this one that I think are really cool. Number seven, Sing Me Away. Really like this one. Love the harmonies on this one. I think you will, too. That's one thing that I'll give Night Ranger a lot of credit for. It's like there are a lot of people out there, especially today, that, that aren't nearly as talented, that use a lot of the latest technology to make themselves sound better. That wasn't really the case. These guys could really sing, and you can tell on this song, Sing Me Away. Number six, reminds me of that Michael J. Fox movie, you know, because this was on the soundtrack. It's the secret of my success. I guess Helen Slater was the love interest in that one. It was a really cool movie. I saw it in the theaters in Jackson. I don't remember what theater it went to, but I remember I was so excited to go see it. Michael J. Fox at the time was one of the biggest uh, stars in America. You know, he made the jump from Family Ties to movies, and, of course, he was Marty McFly. Then they wanted to make him a little more mature. And um, this is it, Secret of My Success. If you can find that movie, check it out. It's pretty cool. And, of course, it's like, you know, the underdog wins. You know, they get the love interest, and they – you know, exposed that everybody else is in charge, is corrupt, and that sort of stuff. But uh, it's a good, it's a good movie. It's a good song. Number five. This is a great one. This is kind of about lost love. You know, when you close your eyes, do you think about me? Right. We've all been there at some point. You want somebody to, uh, to think highly of you, to think that you're attractive, to think that you bring some value to your life. And that's kind of what the song is about. Number four. This is a song that I wish somebody would cover this today because this is how I feel. I think this is one of those anthemic songs that probably doesn't get enough praise, but it's You Can Still Rock in America, and you can. Despite what other people will tell you, there are still some great rock bands out there. There are a lot of modern rock bands that don't get the regular radio play. I remember being a teenager, and you know, those of you that lived on the Mississippi Gulf Coast and probably in the Pine Belt, you remember when there was Power 108? And like they're you know, coming up a power pack with Debbie Gibson and Tiffany and, you know, some boy band. There was no power in any of that stuff. Like, oh, here comes your power pack. Oh, give me a break. We like we could not get Motley Crue or Poison or uh, Guns N' Roses played. I said, well, you know, it doesn't fit our format. You know what? This is what people wanted to listen to. And so we, we kind of had to fight for ourselves. And MTV became an ally in many respects because, you know, when they started playing the stuff at night, yeah, their ratings went through the roof. Then all of a sudden, rock music became more of the standard format, and then it was safer to play it on radio. And basically, you know, I worked in radio for a while too. But you probably didn't know that, did you? And so basically, the way that the station manager felt, like I could not add a song to our regular playlist until I could hit the top 40. So like we did the, uh, the Casey Kasem, and I guess the Shadow, we did Casey Kasem on Saturday and Shadow Stevens on Sunday. But once a song hit the top 40, we could add it to the playlist unless it was a new release, you know, by somebody that was really big, you know. And so that was kind of how life worked. And so radio was a different day back then. You know, nowadays, I don't even know what they play on terrestrial radio because I, I either listen to uh, my Apple Music or, or Sirius XM. But 
you can still rock in America. You got you to gotta work hard to find it, but you can still rock. And I think one of the things, too, is like teenagers today, I don't know that there is many teenagers that gravitate to rock. You know, like when we were all coming up, you know, rap was just kind of coming along. And there were a lot of people that were like, ah, oh, you know, it doesn't really appeal to me. Well, you know, nowadays, it's, it's very mainstream. And in many respects, you know, some of the biggest albums of the year are rap albums. I mean, you know, Drake is not really my cup of coffee, but um, the guy's got a huge following. J. Cole, people like that. It's not really my thing. But I respect the fact that uh, people are out there creating their craft and people appreciate it. And then, of course, there's a lot of country music. And what's interesting to me is, like, people that say, you know, well, country and rap are very similar. They're not similar in any way whatsoever, except for the fact that in recent years, uh, some of this new country stuff, they've added, like, a bass track to it or whatever. They've added, like, that to make it sound more dancey and hip-hop-ish, you know. But I digress. Number three, this is another one, too. This is one of those ones, like, you, you know it, and you may have forgotten who sang it, but it's Sentimental Street. Jack Blades, I thought, is incredible on this one. Jack Blades, you know, we, we talk about the work that he did with Damn Yankees on the show before and the stuff he did with Shaw Blades. The guy is a phenomenal musician. Also has done some producing. This is one of his better tracks. Number two, it's Don't Tell Me You Love Me. Don't Tell Me You Care. We've all been there, too. In some respect, this is a shared experience. And I think that's why we, we gravitate to tracks like this is because it, it says a lot of things maybe perhaps that we couldn't say. But number two on the list, Don't Tell Me You Love Me. But number one, is it's obvious, right? I mean, it's a classic, iconic song. And I still don't know what Motorin is, but it's Sister Christian. And I remember when this song hit, there was so... There was a girl in my neighborhood when I was just a kid. I had this huge crush on her. Oh, my gosh. She was incredible. Uh, her name was Perry Thompson, and I had this, this huge crush on her. And so we took uh, – she's a couple years older than me, and when you're a sixth grader, you don't get to date eighth graders. Not that I had anything to offer her. Uh, but she was – I was one of the more popular girls in school, and, you know, all those movies in the 80s made you feel like that all, you know, that all of a sudden the nice guy would get the, the – well, it didn't work out. It didn't, didn't work out for me. But – but this was her favorite song. And I remember um, we took a trip to Washington, D.C. with our gifted and talented class. And I think she played this song because, like, back in those days, we all had Walkmans or whatever. And she sat a couple seats up for me. And I think she played this song basically on repeat uh, to Washington, D.C. and back. And so that's kind of my memory. And then, like, people on the trip started calling her Sister Perry because she listened to the song so much. So there you go. There's your number one sister christian and it's another one of those songs too where there are a lot of changes it's almost like you took two or three songs and blended it together and it's absolute mastery there you go the night ranger top 10 roy's been after me for a while to do this one so we've done it now top 10 night ranger songs hope you enjoy that while you're out doing your black friday shopping today if you have an idea for the top 10 list reach out let me know i'm on all forms of social media at scout steve r you can reach out and let me know and if you need a list, let me tell you, and I get a bunch of those requests, you can go to Spotify, search on Spotify for Dogmatic 67. That's Roy's Spotify, and you can find those old lists. We'll send them to you, too. Uh, I know a lot of people don't subscribe to Spotify. Maybe you're an Apple Music guy, so you can thank Izzy. Because attached to the Dogmatic 67 tweet, so the top 10, he goes back. Izzy will go back and link the Apple Music links. If you want the playlist on Apple because you're not a Spotify person, you can find it, too. And I have a lot of people that say, hey, Steve, I love the playlist because sometimes I kind of get bored listening to the same old stuff. And so we're happy to provide that to you. Of course, that's free of charge. That's all part of your, uh, your subscription to the Boneyard, which is free. And if it's free, I know it's me. 
All right, let's uh, let's get to the next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. A reminder, too, I'm going to be down this afternoon at Bookmart and Cafe signing books downtown. I will be at Campus Bookmart tomorrow. I don't know how long that I'm going to stay, but I'm going to be down there tomorrow uh, to sign some books. I know many of you will be in and around Starkville buying some Mississippi State merch for Christmas because, like, everybody's in town. You know, like all your, your nieces and nephews or whatever and your daughters and everybody's in, so everybody's out shopping. And so come by Campus Bookmart and you can get signed copies of uh, – a Flim Flam and Alpha Dogs and Blooms of Oleander and uh, Stark Villains. Right then and there. Come by, say hello. Happy to do it. I'll be there most of the day. You can watch some football with Stan the Man. Uh, we'll see. I don't know how long I'm going to stay, but I'll be there. I'll probably be there most of the day. But if you can't make it there, you can always order those books directly from Campus Bookmart when you're ordering your Mississippi State merch. Visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you some cash. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's talk. What does this mean for bowl uh, prospects from Mississippi State? Okay, so a Florida bowl is completely out of the question now. So we lose. We're seven and five. And uh, when you look at the standings, you know there's going to be some other teams that are going to be right there around us. So here is what I'm hearing. I, I I understand that the Texas Bowl really, 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 really wants Mississippi State and Mike Leach, and that's a January fourth. That's a Tuesday. I know it's tough for you guys to get there because you're coming off the holidays. You know, it's like oh, we, we traveled for Christmas, and then there's New Year's. And so, if at all possible, get there. But I understand Texas is probably the most likely option, Liberty Bowl, second. And, again, that's a Tuesday game as well. What's the day after Christmas, I guess? And so that's what we're looking at beyond any surprises. So we can forget about going to Florida. You know, it was like we talked about People were like, well, you know, we got shot to get Sugar Bowl. It was slim, slim, slim that ever happening. And now we've removed all possibility. And so that's what we're going to be relegated to. So, again, let's kind of frame this up a little bit. At the beginning of the year, we'd say, hey, we're going to make a ton of progress on offense. Will Rogers is going to throw for over 4,000 yards for the first time in school history. And I don't know if you guys uh, realize this. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. You know, Will Rogers threw for 336 yards. He only needed 270 last night to move into number three all-time in the SEC on the single-game passing record. Number one, Joe Burrow. Number two, Mac Jones. Both of those guys would have played 15 games. Is that right? So, Will, going to play 13 games, not going to catch him. If he does, that would be one of the greatest performances in the history of the bowl season. But to think in his first full year as a starter that he has put up the third most passing yards in a season in SEC history is pretty significant. That's a nice building block moving into next year. But what if I told you, hey, we're, we're going to have a winning record this year? You'd be like, hey, look, just fine. We're going to have a winning record. We're going to go back to a bowl game. We're going to extend a bowl streak. And no matter what happens in the bowl game, we're going to end the year with a winning record. You'd be like, hey, I'll take it. We set the over under this year at seven and five, and that's exactly what we hit. So it's a push. I told you guys I thought the floor was six and six. The ceiling was eight and four. We nearly got there. And we can say in hindsight, you know what? We probably should have gotten there. But we didn't. Seven and five. So are we satisfied? No. 
Are we pleased with some progress? Yes. Did we leave some wins on the table? Absolutely we did. But I think when you look at this and you're honest with yourself and say, you know what, this was a nice, solid step forward in year two under Mike Leach. Will there be some changes in the offseason? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to prepare you now. Here in the next few days, there are going to be some guys going to transfer portal. They are. Not going to be main contributors for you, but you're going to have some guys go in the portal. And, and here's what's going to happen. Because I, I could almost call the names, but I'm not going to because I want to embarrass these people. There are going to be some people that are going to run to their Facebook groups, oh, what in the world is going on? Well, these guys want to go play football. And they're not going to play here. And so they need to use what's left of their eligibility to have an opportunity to play. If you had a chance to go play, like, yeah, my dream's been here to play at Mississippi State, but I've been on the bench for three years. I've played some on special teams. I've played some in some blowout games. But I really want a more significant role. I'm not going to get it here. I've got my education. And even if I don't, maybe I need to reboot this thing. Maybe I, you know, maybe I stepped into a, uh, to a pool of water here that's a little over my head. Maybe I'm not good enough to play here. So let me go somewhere else and get a fresh start. You can't begrudge that to anybody. It doesn't mean that something's wrong at Mississippi State. But you, there are going to be a handful of players, I would say as many as a half dozen, that are going to be in a transfer portal. Some of them will end up going to junior college because that's what they need to do. Go to JUCO, get reps, get some stuff on film, get better, and have a chance to go somewhere else. Some of these guys might get picked up by another Division One program. That doesn't mean that anything's wrong at Mississippi State because you know what? This is going to happen to every team just about around the country but you're only acutely aware of what happens at Mississippi State because that's what you love. You live in the big maroon bubble, right? And so we don't realize this is happening everywhere. But be prepared. There are going to be a handful of players in the portal, I don't know, 24, 72 hours? I mean, it's going to happen now that the regular season is over. Because here's the deal. It's December 15th, man. That's The, the signing period opens in December. So you got to have some guys thinking, you know what, hey, I, I got to take some visits. So I got to let these schools know that I'm available. So the sooner they go in the portal, the better it is for them. And it is not anything to do with you or me or the Cowbells or Mississippi State. The bottom line is, is they've come here and they're not able to play. And so they're going to go somewhere else. So don't panic when that happens. Don't panic. It's going to happen. I've told you before on the show, and I'm not joking. Now now, because now that we're, we're, our feelings are hurt after losing to Ole Miss – you know, there are some people that, that I told you guys before, they're not happy unless they're miserable. And so misery loves company, so they want to make you miserable too. So we've lost the egg bowl, and they're going to be, oh, my gosh, we got to get rid of Leach. We're losing our team. And there will be players that they don't even know that are going in the portal. Something's wrong. No, nothing's wrong. It's just people want to go play football. All right, let's take a look, too, at the uh, the rest of the SEC. This afternoon, the 2.30 game, CBS game, Arkansas-Missouri. I told you guys I picked Arkansas in that one. So let's look ahead to the weekend. Uh, Georgia is at Georgia Tech. Georgia wins that game big. I think Georgia Tech will be spirited and make it a game, I don't know, for maybe a half, maybe. I just don't think they can score, you know. Uh, Florida State is at Florida. Guys, I picked Florida State. One of these teams isn't going to make a bowl game. And uh, even though it's going to be in the swamp, I just think Florida State has a little more juice right now. Neither one of these teams are great. It's going to be a sloppy ball game. It's the 11 a.m. game on ESPN. It's on Saturday. We'll look forward to that. 
Alabama and at Auburn on that's the CBS game. And that's a that's the thing about rivalry week. We're gonna have a chance to watch football all day long. And it's gonna be good quality games. It really is. I don't think this is gonna be one of them. And if Bo Nix had been healthy, I think Auburn could have had a puncher's chance of staying in the game. I don't know that they could have won it. And again, I've mentioned to you guys too, like we, we talked about the Gus Malzahn roller coaster. Like, this is the year that Gus Malzahn typically did really well. The year where Georgia and Alabama both rotate onto the home schedule. Well, Alabama's coming in this year. Well, next year, Auburn has to go to Georgia and Tuscaloosa on the road. So those have been like the eight and four years. And then these years have been like the 10 win years. And so Harson kind of comes in when you have the advantageous schedule and you don't take advantage. So then you look at next year. I think the guy's going to be okay. But the reality of the situation is Alabama, I think, beats Auburn pretty handily. I don't think that's a surprise. Not breaking news by any stretch, especially with Auburn having to play a backup quarterback. Now, they'll come out. They'll be ready to play. Those kids are going to play hard. They just don't have enough. Vanderbilt is at Tennessee. And it's, you know, I know that it's an in-state school, but these teams are not rivals in any respect and haven't been for probably 70 years. But um, – Tennessee will smash Vanderbilt. They will absolutely smash Vanderbilt. I looked this up a couple days ago, and um, I think the last time Vanderbilt won an SEC game is like October of 19 when they beat Missouri. So, again, they're looking at, you know, second consecutive year of not winning an SEC game. And many of these games as of late have been a little more competitive so you get, you'd like to think they're kind of trending in the right direction. I mean, since we beat them 45-6, to six, they lose to Mizzou by nine. Kentucky gets them 34-17. But, you know, Vanderbilt came back in that second half and competed. They never really threatened, but they competed. And then, of course, they, uh, you know, they lose to Ole Miss 31-17. But they made that a ball game all the way down to the fourth. And um, I don't think that's going to happen this week, though. I, I think Tennessee being at home – knowing what they're playing for. I think they have a chance to uh, – you know, they'll probably – they could play their way, I guess, into a Florida ball. And you say, well, Steve, that, you know, we're 7-5 too. They could be 7-5. and five. But um, – and all that's true. But uh, I think there's a possibility that they end up – I know that uh, Liberty Bowl would love to have them. I don't think there's any question. But where they end up will be awfully interesting. And so I won't be the least bit surprised if they get a better bowl game than us. I won't be. So I'm kind of prepared for that, and there will be a lot of this mess board discussion if that happens. If we both finish with the same record, uh, seven and five, four and four in the league, so we're basically similarly situated. But if they get a better bowl game than us, don't be surprised. Just telling you, just telling you what I know or what I think. All right, let's uh, look a little deeper down the schedule here. A&M is at LSU. I think LSU will make this a game. But I think A&M is going to win the game. I think that A&M is probably a little bit tired of all the other nonsense. You know, of course, they're not going to win anything major this year, okay? But they are a really good team. You know, what I think about this A&M team, too, is, you know, in some respects, outside of the quarterback position, they were poised to have a really good year. And they've had a good year. They beat Alabama. But they've lost some games they shouldn't. They shouldn't have lost to Arkansas. They probably shouldn't have lost to us and shouldn't have lost to Ole Miss, but they did. And that's the thing you begin to look at is, is Jimbo going to take on the Gus Malzahn label? You know, where it's like one year you're fighting for the playoffs and the next year, you know, you're maybe in the Music City. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I think, like many of you, I think Jimbo's a little bit overrated. 
And I think if they go into Baton Rouge and they just kind of go through the motions at LSU, will beat them. But I think in the end, A&M will just have a little bit too much in the tank. But nothing about this game would surprise me. It's the swan song of Ed Orgeron. You just never know what to expect. Clemson at South Carolina. I would love to see South Carolina win this game. I absolutely would. I don't think they will. I think Clemson just has too much on defense for them. But they've got to find some offense. But it is at South Carolina. Win or lose, you got a lot of believers in Beamer Ball. That guy's made a lot of people look really silly. He really has. Shane worked tirelessly to get that job, uh, got in with some donors to kind of help push his cause. And he gets a job, and people are like, Shane Beamer, really? And what has he done? He's got him bowl eligible. I figured they were probably a four-win team this year. And what do they do? They find a way to go win some games. They beat Florida. That's one of the biggest surprises in the world to me. I don't think it would be a big surprise if they beat Clemson. I just don't think they will. And that's tonight. That's a 6.30 game. And then you've got Kentucky and uh, Louisville. I'm picking Louisville in this ballgame. It's at home. Louisville has played a little bit better. They found some offense as of late. That's, that was the problem early on. They just couldn't score. And so I think Kentucky, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think Kentucky will probably pout a little bit. And what I mean by that is, it's like, you know, when Georgia or Alabama or Auburn and all these teams kind of get these high expectations, people expect that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, we embrace the expectations because we're here. We're at Alabama, Georgia. You know, Kentucky is basically Mississippi State of the East. And when you've got a team that has kind of been up and down with them, and as I mentioned to you guys, you know, a couple shows back, I mean, you know, Stoops has had a couple of good years, but he's only a few games over 500. So they're up and down a little bit. And so everybody's like, before they played us, hey, Kentucky's got a chance to be 11-1. and one. They could play their way into the playoffs. Well, now you're 8-3, and three, and you got to go on the road and play your rival. I just – maybe I'm reading too much into it. I just think that, uh, you know, Kentucky has found some offense. But I think this is a high-scoring game, and I'm going to go with the high-scoring team. I'm going to go with the home team in this deal. I'm going to go with Louisville. And um, I just think there's got to be – something we're not expecting this week. And, you know, that, that happens every week, and I'm trying to, to catch, uh, you know, Paul and David and those guys in the standings over there. They've gotten – I believe too much in Missouri. Missouri has cost me deeply this year. I, I could run the numbers on that. I think Missouri has probably been the most unpredictable team for me because I just believed in them so much. But, you know, when I look at this uh, Louisville team, I mean, they play Clemson to within six points, and then they beat Syracuse 41-3. And they beat Duke 62-22. I just think they've kind of found some things late. Yeah, not to mention, I mean, early, I mean, they were in a lot of games early on. The big loss for them, of course, is the Florida State game. But, you know, they, they lose at Wake 37-34. They lose to Virginia 34-33. So this has not been a bad team. They just kind of struggled to have some offense early on. And um, when it mattered most. But that's how we go. So here you go. Last regular season slate picks. We're going to Arkansas, Georgia, Florida State, Alabama, Tennessee, A&M, Clemson, and Louisville. That's what we're going to do. All right, last segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Portico, bringing a great community to a great place to live at Starkville, Mississippi. 
Here's the deal, man. Uh, there are a lot of you that have always thought, hey, I would love one day to move back to Starkville, or I would love day, one day love to live in Starkville. Listen, I absolutely love it here. And it's not just because of the fact that we're, you know, so close to Mississippi State. That's a huge benefit, right? I mean, like, where are most of my happiest moments in my life? M- many of them have been right here in Starkville, Mississippi. You know, driving back and forth with my kids to go to ball games, And, you know, it's like, so it's cool to be here and have access to that kind of whenever I want it. That's great. But here's the thing. Starkville is a great place, period. The people here are great. You know, the restaurants here are great. The service is great. It's just got the hometown feel. And then I get the added benefit of, you know, my greatest passion, which is covering Mississippi State. So it's a win-win for me. I know many of you feel the same way that I do. And maybe you don't want to go to everything. And I'll be honest with you. When I first moved up here, I wanted to go to absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. And then after a while, you know, you kind of you find into your own routine and uh, you kind of get settled. And, but it's so nice to have that as an entertainment option. But I love the people here. You will too. Let me tell you, Portico is a great place to live. It's close to campus, 1.1 miles away. You turn off 82 on the 12, and the very first right will take you to Portico. That's how close it is. Very easy access to 82 and 25. So you don't have to fight all that traffic on 12 when you're trying to get out of town. You just jump up there on 82 and go around. Take get on 25, next thing you know, you're on your way to Jackson. It's very, very conveniently located. There's the neighborhood market from Walmart right there close by. So if you forget to pick up a loaf of bread or container of milk or a stick of butter on your way home, you can run in there and get it and get right on home. And I have to fight those crowds at the big Walmart. You can get a two-bedroom, two-bath home up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, uh, a home that fits your lifestyle and your needs. And here's the thing. If you're ready to move now, you're not going to be able to because uh, phase one is completely sold out. Phase two, you can have some say, though, picking your lot and your house plans. And so that's something that I think is kind of unique, too. And so, you know what? Hey, Steve, we're not looking to move right now anyway. We want to spend Christmas in the old house, and then we're going to move maybe in the spring or summer. You need to reach out to my friend Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog. Brooks Bryan got a lot of great stories to tell. Uh, saw his lovely wife, Beth, last night at the ball game, And uh, one of the things that I like to do, I know you guys probably feel the same way I do, I want to do business with people that I respect and appreciate I want to do business with winners, and that's Brooks. He wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be involved with this guy if I didn't respect him. Brooks will take care of you. 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Brooks Bryan, a guy that loves Mississippi State, a guy that loves Starkville, part of a great group of people that are uh, bringing this great residential development to Starkville. Well, that's the thing, too. We're a growing community and got a lot of new construction here, and I don't know that any of it compares with – Portico. Make Portico your next move. All right, so we begin to kind of turn our attention towards college football recruiting. The December signing period opens December the 15th. So starting this weekend, on Sunday, we can have in-home visits for the first time in two years. So that's going to get cranked up. And so you're going to be you know, seeing pictures of coaches and players together on Twitter uh, young people will be sharing those, and, uh, you know, your coaches will be out. It's interesting. You know, it's uh, – this is – you know, think about it. If you're a kid, it's like, hey, I saw Nick Saban on TV, and uh, now Nick Saban is having dinner at my mom's house. I mean, those are the crazy things sometimes you see. It's just surreal sometimes. But to look at the um, 
know, the Mississippi State recruiting class. You know, it's been a good week on the recruiting trail for State. State's picked up three receivers now in the better part of 10 days. Uh, Mississippi State currently, with the new additions, third, ranked 23rd in the country with 18 commitments back in the top 25. Got a chance to finish solidly in the top 25. I, I don't think – we might get to 20, maybe 19 or so, which would be remarkable because State has had very few top 20 classes in our history. Uh, last year, the best recruiting class in Mike Leach's career, rankings-wise, according to 247 Sports. You got a chance to beat that this year. And it is a good year in State. I, I said that all along. Last year was a really bad year in State, and I hate to say it that way, but the reality of it is we didn't have a lot of depth in the class. We do this year. Uh, but the highest-rated player on the team right now in the class is uh, Marquez Dorch from Loosedale. That's the uh, wide receiver that we, uh, we flipped from Ole Miss. He added some company this week. That's Xavier Thomas, who committed yesterday. We talked about uh, Caden Pope earlier in the week, and uh, I, that surprised me because he didn't say much. He didn't give you a whole lot. And even when I interviewed him after his official visit, you know, he just didn't have a pretty good idea of what he wanted to do. He had an eye on a handful of schools, including Tennessee and Auburn, Memphis, uh, Mississippi State, and just wasn't sure what he wanted to do. He said he was having a difficult time figuring things out. Well, he's figured it out, and uh, I don't ever count out Dave Nickel and Stu Spurrier. But you go get Xavier Thomas, and uh, he makes uh, Mississippi State's Thanksgiving Day a little better. Good player, for sure. And uh, rated a four-star by 247 Sports. His composite rating is still a three, but he is a 90 according to 247 Sports uh, and rated as a number 50 receiver. Pretty impressive. Um, So here is who we beat out to get him. I mentioned some of this earlier in the week. and I'm a little perplexed why he doesn't have more Power 5 offers because if you look look at his film, you ask yourself, "What what are we missing? And breaking news, Skip Holtz is out at Louisiana Tech. Out. There were some people that one time pushed him to be a candidate at Mississippi State. He is going to be fired at Louisiana Tech. All right, so Mississippi State obviously does offer Xavier Thomas. And then he was a former uh, Louisville commitment. And the rest of the offer sheet is kind of nondescript. You know, it's like you look at Liberty, UL, uh, Lafayette, Louisiana Monroe, McNeese, Memphis, Nickel State, Southern Miss, Southern U, Tulane. I think some other schools like Prairie View. You know, he's got, you know, half dozen, I mean, a dozen or more offers. But there's something about this that makes me wonder, are we really that much smarter than everybody else? Because when I look at his film, hey, this guy's explosive. What worries me a little bit is who's going to get the LSU job what are their needs? What are their evaluations? Do they circle back to him? Because I think he is good enough to play in the SEC. I think he is good enough to play at LSU. Now, LSU was very, very heavy on wide receiver commitments last year. So maybe they don't have another need for him, and it is a good year for wide receivers instead of Louisiana. It seems that's always the case. But we've got him. And so now you've got 18 commitments. And, uh, you know, we've made some adjustments to the commitment list. A couple of DBs have, uh, have been taken off there. You know, Tyler uh, Woodard and John Terrius Elam. Wish those guys the best. But you got 18. you got eight guys from Mississippi, three from Alabama, three Louisiana, two from Georgia, one from Tennessee, one from Texas. That's your quarterback, Braden Locke. Currently four receivers committed. We, and we signed six last year. Six. Three offensive linemen. We'll add two more there. Maybe a third one. A sixth one, excuse me. 
We got two guys on the defensive line. Got to get two more. Probably need a an older edge rusher, whether it be from the JUCO ranks or from the portal. We need another edge. We got two linebackers. Beginning of the year, we were talking about just taking two. Well, we've got two, Jave Gilmore and Khalid Moore, and I and I love both of these guys. I think these guys are difference makers for us, and I think both of them will make us uh, a better defense. Now, you got some other things out there. You still got Stone Blanton. A lot of people have asked. I said, you know, for the first time, I'm, I'm really having some some concerns about this with Stone. I, I felt all along that he would be a bulldog. But the fact that he's waiting to commit on signing day does give me a little bit of a pause. I mean, well, you know, what's going on here? You know, what's really happening here? Somebody's going to be disappointed on signing day. And I think you know, Mississippi State will obviously have to kind of push the issue and find out to make sure it's not going to be them. Then you look at a guy like Avery Sledge. Now, I believe we would take both. Sledge and Blanton. I don't think that's an either-or situation because with Rodney Gross leaving and hitting the portal, well, you've got another linebacker spot you got to fill. So when we offered Sledge, people said, well, things must not be going well with Stone. That's just not the case. The, the situations are not related. And so I know they've played you know, similar positions, and so it's easy to say, oh, well, let's make this assumption. It's really more about replacing Rodney Gross. We have four defensive backs uh, committed – on this team and um, you know there is there's going to be an older safety there is going to be an older corner and I am still not convinced that Jordan Thomas is going to sign with Mississippi State he's been committed to us since April I just have some concerns I think he probably ends up at Auburn if they get serious about him but I could see him going to Tennessee too you know I, I, I just I don't get the warm and fuzzies about him and then, so what does that mean for Colin Griffin? You know, I think it's one of those things you got to look at. You know, that's pretty much a package deal. So, what does that mean to your DB board if Jordan Thomas flips? And so, I think that we're going to see an adventure in many respects at the, on the DB board for the second straight year. Now, last year it was a little different. You know, it's like we dropped some guys and then we had to – you kind of scurry there at the end to try to make some things work. And I think we took a couple reaches, some developmental guys. Not sure that's going to work out or not. You know, we'll see. I won't be the least bit surprised if you see ultimately a couple of those guys that we signed last year at DB hit the portal. Won't be the least bit surprised. So I think you're going to see a DB heavy class. And I think what you're going to see in the next couple of weeks is you're going to see a big push at older defensive backs, junior college and transfer portal guys. So that is something you need to be mindful of as you uh, as you kind of go through your day and think about recruiting is that there are some names right now you're not quite as familiar with that you're going to be between now and December the 15th. A lot is going to happen. You know, we've got official visit weekend coming up December 3rd and then one on December 10th. And so because of the fact of the early signing period, there's not going to be a lot of lag time and coverage in Mississippi State respects because – you know, we're just going to pick up from here because starting Sunday, those in-home visits will begin. And next thing you know, uh, in just over two weeks, we're going to be signing football players. So there is a lot between now and then, and then maybe we'll get a little bit of a break for Christmas and we'll enjoy the bowl season. We'll get right back to in January. And so there's really no off-season anymore uh, in college football, and you guys know that. Uh, there's never a, a lack of information when it comes to college football. There's always something to read about. There's always something going on, and nobody does it better than us over at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. And so 
come by and uh, take advantage of our new Black Friday special. Pretty interesting, too. So it's 75% off an annual subscription. That's our Black Friday. That's our Black Friday special today. So it's as simple as this, is that um, you've got a lot of things working for you. And this deal is, we're going to extend this to November 29th. It's going to run out at midnight on the 29th. So you can take advantage basically all weekend. 75% off the annual subscription. Check it out. Be sure to, uh, to look at it and uh, come be a member. And that could be a great gift for somebody you know and love too. Sign them up for Gene's page and uh, they get access to all of our VIP content. And the main thing too is just you know, being able to get your questions answered uh, you know, by our experts. If you have questions about recruiting or about injuries, we'll do our very best to, to handle it. We broke a lot of news this week. Um, over on, on the, the message board. So come be a part of our community. We encourage you to do that. As always, if you're looking for books, you go to dogpilethebook.com. I hope to have a complete update on Dogpile next week. Was hoping to get one this week, but everybody's closed for the holidays, which is, um, you know, I, I guess that's one of those things when you work in those kind of businesses. Maybe you, you work and appreciate the fact that you can get some time off with the family. Uh, that's not the case with all of us. We're always working. But I uh, hope to have an update next week. So, again, I thought we'd have books by now, and then the fact that they keep having these delays, it, it is a big concern for me. It's very frustrating, and like everybody messages me, and they say, Steve, I know you're frustrated. You have no idea, and it's not, I'm not with you because you have questions. I'm happy to answer them. I'm just frustrated because I worked so hard to ensure that we could get this out before the end of the year, and you guys could have it under your Christmas tree, and then there are other people out there that um, I guess don't share that same drive, and so I'm doing the best that I can, and uh, you know we're fighting and we're arguing, and, and we're the customer, and we're trying to take care of you. So we're doing the best we can. I'll have you an update as soon as I can get one. And uh, But they're going to be here eventually. And so if you want one, be sure to go to dogpilethebook.com, and you'll have that. And I think it's a book you'll keep forever. I, like with Flim Flam, I know some of you passed it around. But I think Dogpile and Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, those books are timeless about the Mississippi State experience. I think you'll want to keep this one. Probably want to buy one for yourself and all the Bulldogs in your life. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find that one through your local bookstore or at Amazon.com, uh, BarnesandNoble.com, Books a Million, all those places like that. So listen, uh, this too shall pass. As bad as it stinks today, it'll pass. And uh, we'll get a chance to put those guys again next year. I think we're going to be a better football team than, this, than, next, than next year. And they were kind of built to win this year, and they have. And you give them credit, and you kind of move on. And uh, let's go win our bowl game. And uh, get into spring football and get excited about next year. There's a lot to feel good about. And, of course, before you know it, baseball season will be here. Valentine's Day weekend. How cool is that going to be? But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.